Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. There are some things about the holidays that don't seem like they ever change. That centerpiece that comes out of the basement every year, mountains of cookies, which you shouldn't really eat, but it's the holidays, so you do, Salvation Army bell ringers, lots of requests for charitable donations in the mail, and decisions about who to give to. But as economic realities and cultural priorities have shifted, that story of who is getting our charitable donations and who's giving them, that's changed a lot. Stacey Palmer has tried to figure out what's going on. She's the editor of The Chronicle of Philanthropy, which recently published America's Favorite Charities 2018. Stacey, welcome. Great to join you. So let me just start with kind of a taste of that change that I was talking about. Um, When I looked at that list of America's favorite charities that you put out, um, the ones that are growing like gangbusters um, include, just as some examples, the Mayo Clinic, St. Jude's, and the ACLU. And some of the charities that are certainly very big but are not particularly growing and may, in fact, be shrinking in terms of what people give them um, are sort of more classic holiday-giving charities like uh, the United Way and the Salvation Army. Um, What, in your estimation, is going on? We think that there are a lot of things happening that are affecting charitable giving. So there's probably not just one answer. But the biggest thing we see is that the economic divide that we have in this country really affects charitable giving. Mm -hmm. So the very wealthy are giving extremely generously, and they're giving to the kinds of causes that they're interested in. And the middle class is cutting back on its giving. And so the charities that were supported largely by those kinds of people are really feeling the pain. Um, why Why is it the middle class cutting back because they have less money? Is it because there's some kind of cultural change going on? Like, why is that divide growing? One of the things that we're seeing is that, you know, certainly people have less discretionary money. Certainly employment is very high, but some people are working two or three jobs mm-hmm. and they may not feel that they have extra money to spare to give to charity. Mm-hmm. Others may wonder, you know, what difference does my $10 make? Um, I see all of these multi-billionaires giving these $100 million, $300 million gifts, and it makes my gift feel maybe a little bit small. Mm-hmm. So I think that that may be part of it. The other thing we're seeing is there are lots of informal ways that people help each other. You might go help a neighbor. You might give a couple dollars on a crowdfunding site to somebody who needs medical care. That is definitely generosity and helping other people, but it's not what we count as charitable giving. So it could be that the numbers are distorted a little bit by the ways people are changing how they give. And and if we go back to like the actual places that people are giving to, you know, I mentioned that you know, if you look at the past 10 years of what the Salvation Army has gotten or what uh, United Way has gotten, they don't particularly seem like they're on a growth trajectory. But then when you look at the Mayo Clinic or the ACLU, it kind of knocks you out of your chair what they're doing in terms of how much money they're bringing in uh, compared to how much they used to bring in. Give me a sense of what's going on there. Yeah, it sure does. It's really staggering numbers that um, some of these charities are collecting. So they're definitely a success. Those kinds of groups are doing well because they're focusing on the very wealthiest in this country. So something like the Mayo Clinic just ran its first big capital campaign, and it persuaded millionaires and billionaires to give lots of giant gifts to finance medical research. That's a cause mm. that touches a lot of people. Right. Uh, either you've been sick yourself or you have family members who are. And the scientific 
scientific discoveries that we're seeing all the time, that's also propelling a lot of giving. Uh, wealthy people are very excited about the fact that they can contribute to advancing medical breakthroughs. So that's why you see uh, scientific institutions, hospitals, those kinds of organizations doing really well. Something like the ACLU may surprise you that they're doing as well as they are with the wealthy, but they're also making a big push um, in Silicon Valley and other kinds of places where there are very wealthy people. They have a very big effort to woo these really huge gifts. So that's working for them. And then, of course, they were beneficiaries of what some people call rage donations that came right after the 2016 elections and keep on going, um, where people who are motivated by politics say, you know, I'm this is the only way I can do something. I want to give to the ACLU or Planned Parenthood or those kinds of organizations. You know, so I believe this is right, that you've been working at the Chronicle of Philanthropy since the 80s, right? Yes. So, you know, give me a sense. When you kind of step back from all this, do you feel like somehow people have fundamentally changed um, in terms of what they think they should do at holiday time in terms of giving? Do you think um, it's really not an issue of people changing? It's really an issue of like economics has so radically changed that this was inevitable. I just wonder what you feel like you're seeing. Yeah, There, there are a number of things. One is that you know, the way especially I would say the millennials want to think about being socially responsible is very broad-minded. They might think about putting a solar panel on their house. They're going to drive a car that is, you know, environmentally friendly or not drive at all. All of the things that they do to be socially conscious are part of how they think about their charitable responsibility. So, I think we're seeing that permeate the culture. So just writing a check used to feel like the kind of thing we all did as a good thing. But now there's so many other things you can do. Mm. And it's possible that those things altogether are more meaningful and we're seeing a shift in how we promote social change. So that part could be indeed a good thing. The other thing we're seeing is people wanting to be much more hands-on and find the impact of their donations. And when they see that they're making a difference, they want to give. But they're being pickier if they don't think that they're getting results. So I think that's causing a lot of charities to question themselves and say, how can we do better? Are we really producing the results that make a difference? Does that then account for this kind of almost generational shift away from places where you people would have once sent $15 at Christmas and been like, okay, well, that's my contribution to American Heart Association or to um, United Way or whatever. And and like you're saying, they're looking for, okay, but if I'm $10 or $20 in a vast sea, I'm not exactly sure what the impact is. And they're looking for that place where they can make the difference. Yes, I think they really want to be sure that if they're going to part with money that is important to them and their families, that it really is going to do good. And one of the things that people who follow charity have said all along is that it used to be that the very oldest generation, um, the people who are now in their late 70s, 80s, 90s, those people just wrote a check because it was the good thing to do. But starting with the baby boomers on down, everyone started questioning a little bit 
bit. What difference is it making when I give? And so you see groups like Donors Choose, for example, which allows people to give money directly to teachers in a classroom. So let's right. say they need to buy crayons or something like that. And, you know, with all the cutbacks in government funds to schools, a lot of teachers had been paying for those things themselves. Well, you know, they can post online, here's what I need for my kids, here's this great science experiment we're going to do, can you help me? Well, when you see that you can give that direct one-on-one help to a specific group of students, that's pretty motivating and exciting. So we see groups like that growing really fast. And that didn't happen, you know, before we had online giving and the fact that there's so much transparency that you can see exactly where your dollars are going and making a difference. Right, right. So then when you were talking before about how we see wealthier people giving more and people in the middle class may be giving a little bit less. Is there any way to know whether, in fact, the middle class is maybe not giving less, they're just giving differently, and maybe they're not giving to the huge behemoth charities, but they are giving to, like, you know, you mentioned Donors Choose. They're giving to, like, the, the, the teacher in Topeka who wants to do a science thing, and they need $200, and four people give $50, and there they go. Well, one thing we do know is that there's been a... 10 percentage point drop in the share of Americans who give to charity. And that's been over the past decade. So we do know that fewer people are giving and overall charitable giving has been stable or growing. So that part is clear that people certainly aren't giving to traditional kinds of charities. So what we don't know is whether they're diverting things to, let's say, a crowdfunding site, helping somebody build a small business, do those kinds of things that are certainly helping others, but aren't in the definition of charitable, you can't take a tax deduction for that kind of a gift. Hmm. Does it worry you? Do you think it worries, like when you sort of talk to people you know who think a lot about philanthropy sort of in your space, does it worry you that that uh, just a few people are, have so much influence? And I don't just mean like, you know, five or 10 people, but but that but that top, you know, one, two, three percent of Americans now has so much influence on sort of where charitable dollars go. Yeah, there are a lot of people in the charity world and scholars who are raising many, many questions about why giving isn't more democratic. And certainly people who work at nonprofits are very concerned. One of the things they want is a broad base of support so that they know that the kind of work they're doing involves all Americans, that there's feedback. And the idea of just a few rich people, no matter how well-intentioned they are, making the decisions without necessarily consulting the communities they're trying to help, that seems very worrisome to a lot of people. And there have been many times in which philanthropists have gone in and thought they had this marvelous idea, and then communities have not been transformed. uh, And that leads to great resentment and disappointment. So Mm -hmm. I think we see growing movements to talk about um, maybe there should be more people from a community on a foundation's board, let's say, um, and not just wealthy people. We did a study that looked at who's on America's foundation boards, and it is absolutely the upper crust, Ivy League, uh, people who live on the coast. It is not representative of America. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
it's just a question that I think America's businesses have too. Do you do a better job when you have more diverse voices in the mix? And I think we all agree that you do better with different points of view. And certainly when you're in the business of social change, you should be asking for lots of ideas and contributions from everybody in the world. Right, right. Um, how do you think the tax bill that passed last year and the changes to the tax code, how has that impacted what people give to charity and just sort of that broad picture of charitable giving? That's a really important point because the tax law that was passed at the end of last year is really worrying many of the charities that depend on these middle class donors because it did cut off the charitable deduction for those people by Going to a world in which you have a standard deduction, couples will be able to write off $24,000. You probably won't take a charitable deduction. That means you don't have an incentive to give anymore. Now, for the wealthy, things didn't really change that much. It changed a little bit for affluent people who are worried about the impact of their property taxes and all of those kinds of things, which influences charitable giving because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all comes out of one pot. Um, so there's possibly concern about that. But the biggest worry is that all of a sudden there is less incentive to give to charity for those very donors who we've already seen the drop off in charitable giving among those people. Hmm. I don't know if people... Uh ever ask you this, um, since you often like think about, you know, large sums of money. But I mean, you know, if somebody's thinking about, okay, well, this is maybe the time of year when I give money away. And it's usually, you can fill in the blank, $50, $500, you know, whatever. Um, are there, but, but there's so many, uh, you know, solicitations I get and so many ideas of where this could go. Do you have thoughts about uh, where it could go and how you kind of think through those questions as an individual? Yeah, it's a, it's a really challenging question. Um, the first thing to do is to think about the causes that mean the most to you. And whatever those kinds of things are is to go look for the charities that are truly making a difference in that area. One thing you can do is volunteer. That helps you see whether groups are doing great work or not. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't have time to do that, there are lots of sites where you can do research. You can be in touch with people who know about an area, let's say it's education or healthcare, and find out what groups are doing the best work. If you're a truly thoughtful donor, I think the other thing is to think about where is it that there's a lot of need but other people might not be willing to give to. Uh, one of the things, for example, we've all seen so many people touched by the opioid crisis, for example. Mm -hmm. But how many people would necessarily think about giving their charitable contributions to groups that are working to fight that? That's not the kind of cause that you get a warm, fuzzy solicitation from in the mail around this mm -hmm. time of year. So think about how you find the most effective groups, let's say, in an area like that, in something that's more, shall we say, controversial, a little bit more difficult for some people to support. You can really make a big difference by thinking about what what is the kind of thing that is very worthy, but just not going to get a lot of publicity, not a brand name charity, but truly making a difference? Stacey Palmer is the editor of the Chronicle of Philanthropy. They recently published America's Favorite Charities 2018. Stacey, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. If you want to dive into the full list of the 100 nonprofits that the Chronicle of Philanthropy ranked as America's favorite charities, 
We're going to have the link to that on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash innovationhubradio. 